Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey, well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addictive Mind podcast. My name is Dwayne Osterlund. I'm your host, and we are on to another episode. Today, my guest is Jason Van Ruler. He is a licensed therapist and author. And his new book, Get Past Your Past, which released as number one on Amazon, tackles trauma, addiction, and overcoming past hurts in an effort to find healing and wholeness. His own story is one of where past trauma held him back for many years. But after confronting his past, he is able to move forward in healing and now helps others do the same. In our conversation, we talk about the process of change and how we have to change our beliefs and our scripts and how we can do that in a practical way and why doing that is just so important and giving up control, letting go of our past so that we can move forward with a new paradigm that helps us get to that wholeness and really thriving in our own life. I can tell that I really aligned with Jason and he had the same optimism that I do about change and the possibility for change. So I hope you get a lot out of this episode. I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you feel inspired by Jason's story and his insights into getting past your past. And a quick reminder, if you are getting a lot out of the Addicted Mind podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. That really does help the podcast get found and I really appreciate it. Also, you can join our Facebook group. Go to Facebook, type in the Addicted Mind podcast and click join to continue the conversation online. All right, everyone, let's start this episode. All right, everybody, welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My guest is Jason Van Ruler. And before we even started recording, we were talking about how we were at the same conference last year, the ITAP conference, but we didn't realize we were at the same conference. But that's kind of interesting, Jason. So 
I'm excited to talk with you. I'm excited to talk about your book, Get Past Your Past. And let's just jump in and Jason, share a little bit about yourself and we'll start from there. Yeah. Well, Dwayne, I love that. I knew I was going to like you. And then I was like, okay, well, that's why we do a lot of the same things. We've been at the <laughs> same places. The same it was like, okay, cool. We, you, you understand. So honored to be here. Been looking forward to this conversation. So thank you so much for having me. I think for me, my story to give you the short version that won't bore people to tears is pretty idyllic childhood up until age eight. Age eight, I'm journaling because apparently I was always supposed to be a therapist. So I'm in my corduroy <laughs> pants and my bass weegins and I journal that I want to be a therapist someday. So I pretty wow. much think I know what the world's going to hold for me. Like I, I got this all figured out. And then at age eight, my parents divorce and we go from this like kind of idyllic childhood to one of volatility and abuse and addiction and, and poverty and all these things. And so everything gets flipped upside down, right? And what a life shock. goes. What a yeah, shock life. to the system for an eight-year-old. You said eight, yeah. right? Yeah, I was yeah. woefully unprepared for it, and so I got through that. It was difficult, you know. Had some trauma, but I graduate high school and I do the thing that all the teens do, which is to just like declare that they will never do that again. Right? They're just like, I'm going to be different, right. and you wait, you'll see. And then, man, like four years later, I'm doing all the same stuff I came from. I've dropped out of college. I'm drinking too much. I'm not paying my bills. I'm having unhealthy relationships. And I just have this moment where I'm like, oh, man, I think I can see the future if I don't do something different. Like I could probably tell you how the rest of my life's going to go if I don't fix this. So you were able to kind of see it and move from there and, and move forward and say, wait a minute, I got to steer the ship a little bit differently. It's it's going the wrong. It's it's going it's heading for the rapids. Yeah. Well, I knew I mean, I'm a slow learner. So it took me, Dwayne, about, you know, 10 of those times doing and saying that before I finally kind of figured it out. But it planted the seed that if I wanted something more, I'd have to do something different. And so that for me was really, really important. And in the next couple of years, in my early 20s, I found a relationship that was really healthy and rewarding. And I just started to do some of the things I needed to do. And started to move forward and, and work on it and start to change it. Yeah, have the conversations I didn't want to have, learn how to have healthier relationships, change my relationships with some people and some substances and just do all the things that I really hadn't learned how to do. And they were uncomfortable, but I knew if I wanted a better life, I'd have to figure that part out. Right. Okay, so let's just jump right into the title of your book, which is Get Past Your Past. And let's start talking about that because I have a feeling these things are going to intertwine and they move together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the book for me in writing it was I wanted to give a gift to, to like the people I've worked with about what would I tell them to do? You know, so kind of the the pitch that I had was I wrote a book for someone who's got 20 bucks and a little bit of hope left to show them what they could do and the steps they could take. And, and so that was for others. For me, it was really reflective of just what I'm telling you, like this journey that I've been on. And I don't have it all figured out, but just some of the things that I've done that have worked and some that really haven't. And just trying to kind of make peace with that. And so it kind of, for me, it was definitely a passion project because it's about my life in some ways, but also something I hoped would be really practical and useful for people. And how did you understand your past as impacting you in this journey, 
because I'm, I'm assuming the title of your book also, you know, when we do this work, it's about us as well. You know, it's not just, it's not just the people that we help. It's, it's ourselves. So I'm assuming that that title has significance to you because your own past was staying with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was certain for the longest time that my past was in fact the thing that ruined me. And, and so I just kind of felt like, well, because these things happened, then my life is just going to be no good. And so this is really an acceptance play. I should just accept that, you know, bummer, didn't work out. You got a bad past. Nothing's going to work out. And for me, it was really changing how I looked at that. Oh, to be able to actually get out of that mindset of saying, you know, my past is defining me and saying, I, I have to redefine that. Yeah, because I, I think today I look back and I say, in many ways, my past empowered me to have the life I have today. Many of the things that I love to do the most, like helping people and having hard conversations, like those are all made possible by the fact that I had the past I did. Um, I, I know how to do those things. But I think before I did a bunch of self-work um, and really did the things and had the conversations I need to, I just felt like that was limiting. I didn't feel like it was empowering. I felt like that was going to be the thing that held me back. I think there's a process we go through to, to shift that mindset. Because we get so stuck in that way of thinking. And so I think sometimes it's not until later do we are we able to look back and appreciate the past. But there's that journey of getting there. And let's talk about that part. Like, you know, that shift, that that time period of when you're stuck in that old thinking to being able to then get to that new space of thinking and and actually using your past as a tool for your current life. Yeah, that that's tricky. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck is because they know how they feel about it. They just don't know what to do with it. And and so they live in the space of knowing how they feel about it. And so I kind of I talk to clients about, you know, it's it's like a graveyard. When someone passes away, we, we go to the graveyard and maybe when they first pass away, we go there pretty often. But the goal is never to stay there. The goal is to go and visit and leave and go somewhere else, right? Go someplace where there's life. And so I think sometimes we are, our past is a graveyard and, and we kind of feel like we either have to live there or we have to run from it instead of doing the thing, which is more balanced of like, well, yeah, we kind of have to look at it. And there's going to be a season where we deal with that grief and that loss and what it taught us about ourselves. And then the goal is definitely to go somewhere else and to move on. So what I wanted to do with the book is show people how to do that. Like practically speaking, how do you start to move past your past and make that relationship different? And I love practical because I think so much of the time we we talk in these ideas, right? But a lot of times I know for me, I felt like, oh, great, I understand that. But what the hell do I do? I actually need to know what to do. I get it. Okay. Appreciate your past, but I'm not there yet. And I don't know how to get there. Yeah. Well, that's the question mark. And, and I just love how you said that Dwayne, because I'm always the same. Like I like to, I love to talk philosophy and abstract ideas and I like to read books from academics, but I often find myself saying, okay, but like, what is, what do I do with that? And, and if anyone listening has ever really struggled that's the question we need answered, right? We're, we're not like, I don't want to yeah. know the theoretical orientation or the philosophy. Like, tell me what to do to get out of this space. Like, that's what I want. And so with the book, that's what I talked about. And so the first section is 
basically about changing our relationship with control because to really get past our past, we have to identify that we don't have control over that, right? What happened, happened. And as much as we like or don't like that, it, it's done. And so we have to relinquish control about what's happened, but we acknowledge we can change our relationship with it, which is different. Well, tell me a little bit about doing that because like you said, it, there's a relationship there and you're changing that relationship. Tell me a little bit more about how that process works. Cause I, I think that takes time. It takes like you a reframe, but it's also hard to do. I, you know, it's, it's difficult to do. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's, I think clinically something I've really tried to work on. Like, how do I help people get there fast? Because it is kind of in the muck and the abstract. And so essentially what, what we do, what we try to work on, what the book talks about is really whittling away at what are those core messages that I received as a child about myself and about the world and are they accurate? Now, oftentimes they are not, right? They might have been accurate in that situation. Whoever told us those things may have seen that, believed that about us. And as children, we just internalize everything. We're just little sponges. And so what messages have we taken from childhood and are they accurate today? And if they're not, what is a different way to see that relationship? Not can we, you know, sugarcoat it, but what is a different way to see that relationship in something more true about ourselves that's helpful? Right. And talk a little bit also about, you were saying earlier, control and how those things work together. Because sometimes I think we... We hold on to this because it gives us some sense of power, even though it's not good for us or, yeah. Can, can you can you go into that a little bit more? That's never happened, Dwayne. Nobody ever does that. No, that's <laughs> not, no, that doesn't right. happen. Nobody. <laughs> Me? Yeah. Well, I think we, we just, we try to operate in a broken system. So I'll give you an example that might help. If you had, let's say, a rigid parent or parents or someone in your life and you were consistently given or interpreted the message from them as I'm not good enough, we can then have a belief of because I'm not good enough, I have to work really hard to show my value and my worth, right? And we take that away. And so we feel like we can control the situation if we just work harder. Like I've got a, I've got a simple solution for this. I will just work harder. And that feels good because then we have agency versus saying, turns out they weren't that nice to me. And that wasn't a great message. And it's also untrue. That is a difficult place to sit, although far more accurate and helpful. And so what we'll do if we don't do this work is we'll, we'll kind of trick ourselves into participating in a system with broken messages that don't serve us. And then feeling like if we do the right thing and we control it enough, we'll eventually get what we want. And it's just not so. I talk to clients a lot about what fuels us can fool us, right? So if what fuels us is this need to perform to have value, we can be fooled into thinking that somehow we'll perform enough and that will happen. And it's just not true. And we just hold on to that. like, And I think sometimes it's like you said, it's un almost unconscious, like we don't even realize we're performing in this way. But I like how you put it into the idea that it, it gives us a sense of agency of control, even though we don't we don't even realize it's operating under the surface. And we don't know that this is actually destructive for us. We don't have to do this. But 
we're compelled to do it yet we don't know that we're actually doing it i mean it's like it's crazy making it is crazy making and i would guess you see this too but this is where you get people who are even very successful but they're just not happy with it and they can't ever figure out why they're just just like i have all the things i have the job I, i work and i work really hard and jason i'm just never really happy and it's like well Maybe that's because why you're doing all of that is to serve a broken system. And so what is a better way to look at this that actually is rewarding and actually gives you contentment? Yeah. What about when people are even resistant to that? They know that, but at the same time, they can't stop that process. If if that makes sense. It's like, because I see that a lot where I can see what I'm doing now, yet I don't want to give it up. I, you know, especially around like someone who is really driven and and really motivated. Uh, you know, on the outside, they look like they have all the success in the world, and it's almost scary for them to change that perspective in a way. Like uh, I'll, I'll, you know, everything will melt down if I change this belief system. And I hear that. I hear that from people where they're like, I don't want you to teach me how to love myself because if I do, I won't be successful. And I'm like, you're going to be the same person. You're still going to be you. Like all the things that make you successful will still be you. You'll just do it for the right reason. That's the difference. Yeah. It, it'll, it'll be hard. Sure. But like then when you're working and you're doing these things, like it'll be because it's you and an extension of who you are. So we talk about this idea of like doing and being. Lots of people are good at doing, not many people are good at being. And so you can be successful both ways. One is just far more enjoyable than the other. Right. I got you. And it, but it's hard for people to believe it, right? It that is. they'll actually be productive if they let go of this kind of undercover driving force. You know, it's like the the artist that feels they have to be really, really depressed to be you know, and dark to be a real artist or a real writer, you know, that kind of uh, analogy that that happens. It's like, if I give that up, then all of my art disappears, all of my music disappears, all of my creativity disappears. Absolutely. And, and, you know, for you and I working with people who have addiction issues and coping, like, that can be the belief too, right? If I if I let go of my old friend, who am I really? And yeah. I understand that fear. Um, but what's true is, is you're, you're better off, right? We deal with the things we need to deal with and we then approach it from a place of authenticity. And so that's, you know, really what the book is about is getting past our past, but living in authenticity so we can have the relationships that we want that serve us and the lifestyle that we want. And, and we can't really have it if we're unwilling to do that. And that's scary to do it too. I mean, it brings you into all of this uncertainty because for a lot of people, they've never existed in that space. And so it's like, I don't even know what that space is. Yeah, it it is. And I feel like it's a tough sell. You know, it's a tough sell for me to say, hey, why don't you come spend a couple of days with me? We're going to dig into your past and your wounds and we're going to change your relationship with them. You know, that kind of sounds like inviting someone to the dentist. Nobody's nobody's like tripping over themselves to get there. But I will tell right. you, it gets worse as you get older. So the thing is, is like, this will be a little kind of voice in your head when you're young. But the older you get, if you haven't done this work, that just becomes a roar. And it's harder and harder and harder to ignore it. Yeah, I, I, I see that as well. And I, I was thinking about how, you know, taking that leap of faith and doing it but also a lot of times 
I think, you know, with addiction, it's like, I, if I don't do this, I'm going to, you know, I, I might, you know, my life might blow up even worse, or I might even lose my own life or my liberty because I'm doing stuff that's just not good for me. And I think sometimes it takes that much energy to motivate somebody to take that step. That's how entrenched we can get into these belief systems, I think. Yeah. And if we if we look at our life and it's mostly working, it's hard to elect to do the hard work. You know, that that's just that's a difficult space to be. And like you said, a lot of times we're most apt to do this is if we feel like things are kind of falling apart. You know, then then we say, well, this is yeah. really miserable. I need to fix it. But if we're proactive and we do it, uh, it does literally change everything. And so I, I tell a lot of people like a lot of what I do is I just give people permission to be themselves. I, you know, everyone's like, you have this job and it's probably really complicated. Like, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, like I help people find who they are, step into that place and give them permission to be that person. And it's just like actually a beautiful thing to have that job uh, because people are people. And when, when they step into that, like beautiful things happen. Yeah. But I, I also think that, you know, going back to the beliefs, right. If they grew up in a space where themselves, their self is challenged and criticized, I mean, it, you have to create a really safe space for them to begin to, I guess, come out of their shell and, you know, for us to come out of our shell. I know for me, it took a lot of safe people to be around who could hold that space for me and I could learn to be myself, if that makes sense. I could, I could practice being myself in a safe environment. Yeah, that's and that's so hard if you haven't had it. You know, I relate to that a lot where it took me a long time and maybe even longer than most and, and more people than most to get to a place where I felt like, okay, I can I can just be me. You know, that that was not an overnight thing. But boy, and, and you probably experienced this like how good did it feel when you could do that? Like that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it goes to that congruence when we start to live in congruency. We start to find that harmony that, you know, we're aligned, our, our belief systems are aligned. They're not out of, they're not coming out of desperation. They're coming out of our real interest of what we want to create in our life. And it's a, it's a good place to be. But it, like you said, it, it, it takes work to get there. Yeah, it is tough. And that was so well said, because I agree with you. I mean, that that is what we're trying to do. In the, in the book, I talk about, you know, during COVID, when we would all wear a mask. And if you had to cough, or at least this is what I did, if I had to cough with a mask on, like you knew people were going to look at you, right? And so it yeah. would just be easier to hold it in than to let it out. And, and so we would walk around and we try to, you know, kind of change how we behave so we didn't do that. And, and really what I'm inviting people to do is cough. If you need to cough, cough, let it out, be who you are. And, and that's just something that we don't always get. And sometimes we feel like we're not even in a room where that's allowed. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, in a lot of ways, that's not allowed in, in certain parts of our culture and our society. I mean, I guess it's also navigating that, right? Being able to know when it's safe to do that, when we have to, you know, also be protective of ourselves and 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 navigating that without losing ourselves. Yeah. And that's something I talk about in the book with talking about safe people. Um, sometimes we don't even know what that looks like. You know, we, we might say like, yeah. I've never really known safe people or I've been really hurt before. And so 
I would see people do this thing where they'd been hurt before, but maybe they could be talked into trying again. And so they would just kind of randomly pick a person and say, well, now you're my person. I'm going to tell you everything. And then it blows up and they say, see, this is why I don't do this. And so I outline, practically speaking, like, how do you actually find a safe person? And what does that process look like so you can start to heal? Yeah, and doing that like step by step, because otherwise you're, yeah, you can you can get hurt too. So it's 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 a balancing act of, of finding and walking through that that journey. Absolutely. And, and just knowing, you know, where each piece goes, because I think if we haven't had that, either as children or don't, like if we haven't experienced the life and the relationships we want, we don't really know how to get there. You know, I think a lot about my wife. Uh, I've got three kids and my wife and I got uh, bicycles for our kids on a Christmas a couple of years back. And it was Christmas morning. And she said, here's the boxes. Will you put together the bikes before Christmas? No pressure, right? It's like Christmas morning. <laughs> Yeah. I've got like two hours to do, do this. It. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, man, I wish I had done this sooner. And I go down there and the instructions are in Chinese. Okay. And I, I'm a lot of things, but I don't, I don't know how to read Chinese. And so I knew what a bike looked like, but I didn't have instructions. And so I put the bikes together and I'm like, oh man, there's like six extra parts. Like somewhere along the <laughs> line, like, oh, I no. did this wrong <laughs> because I knew what it looked like. I just didn't know how to do it. Right. And so I think when it comes to helping people walk this out, like we actually have to give them instructions. It's not enough to just say like, oh, it's a bike, put together a bike. Cause like, what does that mean? Like we literally have to walk them through it. Yeah. I, I love instructions uh, because they really help you. And what I love about that statement is that it shows us that change is really possible. Um, you just need it. You need a, you need a manual sometimes to, to figure it out. And I, I love that you're saying that because, you know, we can feel hopeless. Like we have no idea. We, like you said, we can, we can kind of see it out there. We can kind of know it. Maybe we can see it in somebody else, but we have no idea how they got there. Right. Or how they did it. And, and we assume that they just were naturally that way. And what I found people that I, I admire or have deeper relationships with, or I, I look up to, and having deeper conversations with them, I realized like, oh, they did a lot of work to get where they are. <laughs> a lot of internal work. It wasn't just, boom, they were just born that way and they're just congruent and they just do it. I think most of us have to do the work. So I like that you're saying like, there's a manual there that we got to follow <laughs> and other people have done it, right? Like, like you've had to do it. It is possible. Yeah, we all, you know, uh, I've had to do it and we all can pool our resources together like your book to be able to say, hey, you know, here's a path. Take it. Try it. We can change. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I'm, I'm a hopeful guy. I'm an optimist. I always tell my clients if I wasn't, I'd have a miserable job, right? If I, if I was yeah. not optimistic and hopeful, this would be terrible work. And so I think it can get better. And, and if we just have things that show us how to do that. And like you said, and, and I love the statement you made about someone you look up to, I find so many people in their life have no one they look up to. They don't have like a person or if you're in a relationship, I'll say to, to couples, I'll say like, what's, who's a couple you look up to? They don't know. They just don't know. Yeah. And, and so if we don't have that community and the instructions, it's really hard to walk that out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That it is, it is difficult. It's, it's difficult to see it and to see that, that 
possibility. Absolutely. And so that was my goal is just how do I how do I walk them through this in practical ways that are small bites so it doesn't feel overwhelming? Because, you know, if you're really struggling or if you're even just unsure, like huge steps are are they're gonna they're gonna stall you out because it's just gonna be too much. And so what I wanted to do is just to like meet people where they're at and just give them practical, do this today, try this tomorrow, try this the next day to get them where they want to go. Yeah, one step at a at a time and you're gonna walk through it and you're gonna be able to I think as you do this too, you're able to see other people who have done it. I think you start to align yourself with people that are looking for the same thing or want the same thing. I mean, I think in a way that's what brought us together today, right? Is that we're both interested in this piece in mental wellness, you know, not only for our clients, but also for ourselves. I'm not interested in it for me, Dwayne. Not at all. I don't. Not for me. (laughs) Only for... No, I'm exactly with you. And the more you do that work, the more you start to have a community of people who they, they don't always agree with you on everything, but but they're pointed in the same direction. And when you have that, that's when change really occurs. Yeah. And and also, I wanted to talk about, you know, doing this work and having you get to see people actually change. I mean, that's that's the beauty of this, that, you know, when you do this work, it's not just hey, pie in the sky, it's, this is possible. I get to see examples of it. I get to see people who have walked through this and gotten to the other side. And if you're out there struggling, know that. Yeah, it is. I think one of the best parts of the job is is to get to see that stuff. Because, you know, it it's life-giving. You know, for me, I started my career working with people in prison, uh, both with uh, federal government, state government. And so I, I did a lot of work with them. And that's where I really got into loving to just see people change. And and so it would be the best thing ever when I'd get a text and one of the people would say, like, hey, I just got my first apartment. I'd be like, that's amazing. That's so cool. And so I think it is possible. And it's possible whether you're at the bottom of the bottom or the top of the top, like there, there's this huge spectrum, but like you can do it differently if you're willing to look at some things that you've probably been avoiding for a while and actually talk about them. Yeah. And, and discuss them and reach out to somebody who can help you do that or, or find the path like you outline in your book. I mean, it's, it's a path, it's practical, it's real, it's not, It's not just a bunch of statements that, oh, you can do it. You can do it. It actually guides you through the process to be able to, I guess, live in the, in the moment and live in the present. Yeah. And I think have the life that really helps you to realize your potential. You know, I think some of the biggest things that people struggle with are regret later in life. They just feel like I never really stepped into who I could have been or should have been. And so when we live in this place, we, we reach that and we actually enjoy it, you know? And, and so everyone's afraid, like, well, if I look at this stuff, you know, maybe I won't be so driven or motivated. Well, actually, the trade-off is you'll probably just enjoy it. You know, that'll probably be the byproduct yeah. is that you'll just enjoy it, actually. Yeah, I, I like that you say that because those things might change, but you're actually in a different space. What was important to you then isn't important to you anymore. And it's actually not that hard to let go of doing that. 
let's let's jump in a little bit to when we're talking about addiction because i think that there's that component of the brain that drives you know the hijacked brain when it's hijacked by addiction and i want to talk a little bit about this process because i think that can be really really hard to do that can be uh challenging and how do we apply this to to that piece of letting go of that addictive process yeah well i feel like we internalize those messages in those scenarios and we basically use those to create a system for the life we live in and so if that system is an unfair unhealthy system and we have to live there then oftentimes what we do is we feel like we need to cope because we need to cope with that broken system. And so that's where addiction comes in. Addiction comes in to say, you can't change the system, but you can change how you feel. And so we we really get into the coping because the coping is what we feel all we have. Like, it's like, we don't have any control over the system. So this is the only thing I can control and what I need to do. And so, you know, as you know, what we really have to work on is just changing our belief about the system and our agency to create a new one. Because if we don't change that belief, then we're always going to be coping with something that doesn't work. Like you were talking about earlier, the belief like I have to work so hard, I have to prove that I'm worthy. Like that's part of that broken system that keeps you stuck in maybe workaholism, right? And then to deal with workaholism, maybe you're turning to a substance or a behavior to cope with that pain and more and more isolation comes and you're kind of stuck. So you have to start to shift that system. Absolutely. Yeah. We want to, once we change the narrative, you know, so if it's, if what's making us sick is I have to work so much to prove my value. If we change that belief, then all the other things change because now, now we can live in a different place with a different truth. And I would say something more accurate, right? So what might be more accurate is I had to prove my worth as a kid and that was really unhealthy and messed up. That that was true. Uh, as an adult, less true. I don't actually have to do that. So it's not about like saying, well, we'll just take a giant eraser to the past and you write whatever you want. It's just kind of putting it into a greater context and saying, yeah, maybe that was absolutely true when you were a kid. Maybe that's totally how your parents raised you. And now that it's up to you, how do you want to do it? Right. To be able to shift that. And sometimes those beliefs, I guess, from our childhood, just stick with us on such an unconscious level that we don't even realize like we're holding on to them. Yeah, because we just don't think about it. You know, it's uh, I think it was Aristotle yeah. said, you know, give me a child until they're seven and I'll tell you who they'll become. I, I think we just internalize so many of these messages that we don't ever question it. And yet we feel stuck over and over again. And so if if you're listening and you go to like those places in your life where you consistently feel stuck, the chances are those are attached to a message that needs to be changed. Right. And you have to take the time to sit with that and be with that and do something like read your book to walk through the steps to be able to to get there. So, Jason, I want to thank you for coming on to the Addicted Mind podcast. Before we wrap, though, if you could say one thing to someone out there who might be struggling, maybe they're stuck, maybe they feel stuck in their system. What would you want to tell them? What would be the one thing you'd want to say to them? 
Yeah, I think I just want to say I I see you, I understand, and it can get better. And that's not like a pie in the sky thing. That's like a truthful thing. I know I joked about it, but really that's why I do the work I do. Dwayne, it's probably why you do the work you do, right? Is it yep. can get better. And so just know however bad it is, it can get better and it's possible. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. If people want to get a hold of you and they want to contact you, where can they go? I've got a website, which is jasonvr.com. And then I also am on social media where I post relationship information and guides and things like that almost every single day. So you can find me on Instagram at jason.vanruler. Awesome. Thank you, Jason, so much for coming on to The Addicted Mind. And I will put all those links in the show notes as well. So just go to theaddictedmind.com and get all the links there. This was so good. Thanks so much for having me on, Dwayne. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Addicted Mind podcast. As usual, all the show notes will be at theaddictedmind.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, click the subscribe button in whatever podcast app you use so you can get the latest episodes. And if you think someone could benefit from this episode, please share it. Share it with a friend. And you can join us on Instagram at Addicted Mind Podcast. So check that out as well. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful day. And I will talk to you on the next episode. It's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.